What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pekulski, joined with my amazing co-host, who's now one year older, Ashley Van Hout. Uh, uh. No, I'm I'm going on 29 for like close to five, six years now. Like, let's just let's just go with that. <laughs> you, you're wiser. You're taking great care of yourself. Getting better with age. Nothing to be with. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think you can relate to this. Like I've had a couple people, like, I don't know why people are asking me my age. They should know better because I'm a woman, but I know people who are 40 who put me to shame. And I know people who are 29 that are complaining about their creaky knees when they go for a walk. So I truly think that age is what you make of it. And if you take care of yourself, you're only as old as you feel that old cliche. I believe it. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. Exercise is a big part of that. I think everybody listening to this podcast is attached to living not only their greatest life, but a long life. And mm-hmm. The topic of longevity is obviously massive right now, and everyone's like, how can I live forever? And I think it's such an interesting thing to dive into, but I think people should maybe not concern themselves quite yet with living forever, but maybe you should concern yourself with living really, really well today. This idea of living in the present is very important to us. I think most people are so focused on, hey, how am I going to live forever? Yet they're not even happy 100% with the way they live now. And I think if you can make those two things parallel, you can certainly start to extend your life in default, right? If I'm happy every day when I wake up and I'm just living an amazing life with a smile on my face and love in my heart and gratitude in my mind, you know, we can certainly extend that. And and that internal feeling in and of itself equates to longevity. And, you know, that kind of gets me on this path of of the camp we're teaching right now. What I'm thinking about is we want to talk today about um, learning the skill of exercise. And I think that's important. But realizing that all these six pillars that I create is just an attempt to control our internal environment, right? So the, the environment that exists inside of our bodies is ultimately how can we biohack the inside of our body. And that's, you know, we have basically a number of different entry points, right? A number of different things that kind of influence our internal state. And an internal state can be the state of the nervous system, the state of the endocrine system. You know, we've got these 11 systems in the body, the digestive system, the cardiovascular system, you know, we've got all these systems in the body and we want to impact those systems in a way that allows them to thrive and not decline and not have massive amounts of oxidative stress. And I think few people who think about longevity actually stop to think about it. And really, it's just this daily attempt to optimize my internal systems. And it's actually quite simple if you break it down. I mean, it's certainly could be complex if you want to go deep. But you know, the simple thing is you really have six things outside of you that you can impact. And this is what I've developed in the six pillars. And it's, you know, how you, I mean, it's movement. So training, right? It's, it's really ultimately how you move, how you breathe how you think, how you sleep, how you eat, and the environment in which you do all those. That's all you can impact, six things. And start paying attention to those things. And you know, can you check each one of those boxes every day and go, yes, I did this, and I did it well, right? So most people don't think about breathing as a thing that's important. That's the access point, the gateway to your autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is what controls breathing and heart rate and, and inflammation and digestion and brain health and thinking. And people are like, oh, that's it's that important. Like it's the most important perhaps, right? I think nutrition is the most important. I think training is most important and they are, but you know, again, you know, kind of reiterate those things. So for anyone who wants to play that back, it's movement. So how you move, how you think, how you eat, how you sleep, missing one, breathe, how you breathe and the environment in which you do them all. So 
Again, that's all we have access to. Those are access points. So start paying attention to those. Check each box, you know, write your, in your morning journal, check those down or write those down and check the box every day. Have I done something directly to make this better? And, you know, ultimately they can be as complex as you want, but it, they should certainly start by being adhered to and being simple, right? Movement can be as simple as, did you walk? You know, the most reflexive movement we have, movements we have are breathing and walking. And if you don't do those well, you can't optimize your life. You can't optimize your body, you know? Breathing, walking, and meditating is my trilogy. Breathe, walk, meditate. And meditation is exercise for the mind. And ultimately, I, I taught a lot about that today in, in Dubai here. And not even just meditation, but just optimizing brain function and brain health and mindset. And I think it went over really, really well. And people were super pumped about the takeaways that they had to really just start to optimize how their brain works and their their relationship with their mind and, and what things are hijacking their brain and how to ultimately create a, a mind that you love. Okay. Tell us more about Dubai. Have you been there before? I was here last year. Yeah. Jordan, actually, no, I was here by myself last year. Okay. So I'm training at an awesome gym. He's got an awesome facility. The guy who brings me over is an absolute rock star. He's a super guy, you know, super sold out camp. I think we had somewhere in the realm of 40 people in there today, wow. which is big. So we don't usually do it that big. Yeah. But so everyone's asking like, Hey Ben, how's the content different last year? And it's completely different. I, you know, my evolution of the way I think and the way I approach it is very different. And you know, I kind of go in with this objective and I always say this is I want to create a life-changing experience for everybody. And because everyone's coming at this from a different perspective, everyone is, you know, in a different place in their life with a different need. I really try to address, you know, all of those things, those six pillars and give people something, you know, massive, some massive takeaway that they can use right now to change their life. And, you know, Milos is an absolute wealth of information. He's so bright just as a human being, like, you know, yes, he's a bodybuilder. He's got amazing experience, but his understanding of how the body works is, is tremendous. He's definitely no slouch. So, you know, I feel super blessed to be able to connect with him, spend time with him, you know, enjoy some great conversations and uh, some great workouts. We had a great workout in this morning and teaching him a little bit about my way. He's teaching me a little bit his, and it's really great synergy. Before I actually get into any questions about what you're specifically teaching, I just kind of want to ask how you, how you're able to go from North America to Dubai and start teaching almost immediately with the crazy time change and the travel. Although you were in a pretty awesome plane. I did see that on your social media, but how do you transition? Like, how do you go from sort of sitting and in the plane and all that kind of nastiness where people start out feeling crappy and able to sort of wake up and be refreshed and teach and sort of be in the right headspace? Like, what do you do? What's the secret? I think it's because I'm healthy, Ash, to be honest. Like it hasn't always been that way. And, you know, I used to get off the plane for like shit and didn't want to move and you know want to sleep and your sleep's all messed up but so as soon as i landed i think i may have eaten a little bit oh i had some beef jerky and then i went straight to the gym i had a coffee had a beef jerky and went straight to the gym so that's the first thing is like start getting your body kind of acclimatized and adjusted to this time zone so i did that and then milos and i went for some dinner and then i came home at like seven just shut it down i was like hey i'm gonna do my best to get to bed now so you know i didn't sleep i slept there about 90 minutes the night before so we left at about one o'clock eastern time and landed here about 12 o'clock east in dubai time and so one o'clock in the afternoon and got here about 12 o'clock in the afternoon so you know having slept an hour and a half on the plane I was kind of missed, just missed the whole night of sleep, which sucked. But I was like, listen, I'm going to ride this out, have a cup of coffee and see if I get to bed by nine, which I did. I got to bed at nine. But the shitty part was I woke up at 1030 and I was like, sweet, it's morning. I'm ready to get up. I'm like, oh man, it's been an hour and a half. So I was up for a little bit, went back to bed, slept from 12 to two and I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm ready. It's morning now. I'm ready to get up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I only slept for another 90 minutes. And then went back to bed again, got up at four and I was up and I was good. Ironically, I was tired when I got up at four, but headed straight to the gym. We went for an early morning workout. And I think as long as you're setting that 
kind of pace, that tone with those workouts. And it's a blessing to have someone awesome to train with and someone who you look up to and, you know, getting a good hard workout in just really kind of sets your brain up to, you know, be a little bit more effective and efficient, keep my carbohydrates super low, you know, a lot of fasting, a lot of low protein, you know, low fat kind of stuff, like super low calorie. And my brain seems to work a lot better. And hopefully I get a good night's sleep tonight and I should be relatively adjusted to it. I am taking a lot of electrolytes. I am drinking a lot of water. I'm taking a lot of essential amino acids. Uh, I actually taking a lot of nitric oxide boosters as well, just to make sure my blood flow is adequate. Uh, and those things seem to be really useful. So when I say nitric oxide boosters, it's literally just beetroot extract and some citrulline. And that's really it. So that's it, Ash. And, and I feel awesome. My, my brain was on point today. You know, I certainly have good days and bad with my brain. And as the podcast listeners probably know, sometimes I'm, I'm on point and I'm, I'm spitting game. And other days I can't remember my own name. So <laughs> that's what I'm here for, Ben. Yeah, totally. No, but I think what you're saying too, and I agree with this, is like if you're a consistently healthy person, your body's going to be resilient even under circumstances where it's not ideal. Like, look, it's not ideal for anybody to be on a plane for however many hours you were on a plane a couple of days ago. That's not great for anybody. But if you're healthy, well, a 13 hour Yeah, if you're doing the right things, you're okay. I think the biggest hack for me, because I used to just feel so awful when I traveled, even if it was like a three or four hour flight, I was just like a mess the entire day. The biggest thing for me was to stop eating on planes. Because you know, people like people think of air travel the same way they think of like going to a movie. They're like, oh, we're I'm sitting here for a couple hours. Like I might as well just eat a bunch of snacks. You know what I mean? Like whether you need to or not. It's like distracting you from the fact that you're on a gross plane, so you eat some snacks. But your body doesn't digest on a plane. You're super dehydrated. It's dry. You're probably eating crappy gross food. Like as soon as I stopped eating in airplanes, it completely changed how I felt about travel. Like I didn't feel gross. I didn't feel bloated. Like it was, that was completely sorted out. So anyway, that's my hack. Okay. Another question that I have for you, and this is sort of more of like a mental uh, mindset thing, but it's been asked a couple times on social media. And I wanted to ask you about this. Do you get nervous ever for any kind of presentation thing that you do, like for a muscle camp, for speaking in front of people, when you go to these like seminars or workshops or anything, like do you ever get nervous to be in front of people talking or teaching? Yeah, for sure. I got super nervous at the Health Optimization Summit because it was a completely different demographic. Yeah. So I rewrote that presentation about six times in full. Wow. So I wrote it once and I was like, oh, this is good. And then you rewrite it. I'm like, no, no, I got to add this in. I got to get this better. And until like, you know, the ninth hour or the 12th hour, I already say it. It's like, I was rewriting that damn thing. I literally wrote it again, I think up until the, the morning of just because I just was like, well, it's not good enough. I got to be better. And this is a whole new market, a whole new demographic. And I'm not quite as dynamic when I don't know the content, you know, off heart, right? Like, so it's the first time making this presentation. And so with muscle building, I know everyone's problem. Like I know exactly what they're doing wrong and I know how to fix it. And with the health optimization summit, the first thing, you know, I guess the first and most important thing in any presentation is being super clear with what objective you're trying to get across. So who's my demographic? What do they need to learn and how am I going to deliver that? And you know, what exactly is my deliverable? So the ambiguity with health optimization was kind of really didn't know exactly who I was who was going to be there and exactly what they wanted to learn, right? With people building muscle, it's like, listen, you either want to build muscle, you want to lose fat. It's pretty damn simple. Here's how you do it. With health optimization, that's such a kind of abstract thing. It's like, oh, maybe you want to build your brain or maybe you want to build muscle or maybe you want to get leaner or maybe you want to longevity. So I kind of had to touch on all those things. And, and that going up there it made me a little bit nervous. So when I'm nervous, I just tend to not be as dynamic. I tend to be a little bit more kind of not exciting. Reserved, maybe. <laughs> right, I'm a, yeah, I'm a little bit more, yeah, just conservative. Certainly, maybe not my best presentation ever. I don't think it was terrible. I think I delivered the content really well. I just 
didn't have the kind of normal enthusiasm that I may usually have and the normal ability to engage the audience because you have to be so conscious of the content. Whereas when I'm teaching muscle building, it's unconscious. Like I can teach a chimpanzee to build muscle. So now it's like more about engaging them and making sure I'm keeping their attention and making sure they're having fun and making sure their brain is absorbing it and teaching it in a way that's really coherent. And so it's a different level. And I think that idea of mastery really comes in is you have to be a master. You have to master this topic and the skill of delivering it before you can really be great at it. Mm -hmm. So you probably then weren't super nervous when you were competing either and like getting on stage because you felt like you kind of had that shit sorted before you got on stage. Well, yeah, I think one thing that somebody said to me, actually, Alvin, the guy we spoke about previously, he said to me, he goes, man, do you remember when you were 17 and you went to your first bodybuilding show? I go, yeah. He goes, where'd you sit? I said, you know, back row, man, dead back. He goes, well, when you're on stage, walking on stage at the Arnold Olympia, imagine and picture 17-year-old Ben in the back row and pose to him. He's the one you're inspiring and he's the one that's there and and you're going to change his life. If you can show him how much fun you're having and how much you love this and how much you're just confident in owning the stage, that kid exists somewhere in this crowd who's looking up to you like you're his idol. And it may be the only time in his life he gets to see you. And if you go up there, man, people are there to see you. You're They're there to enjoy what you the work you put in. You're going to enjoy that. And that perspective for me really shifted my perspective. And I teach that to all my clients. It's like, imagine you're for a show or someone who you're inspiring. There's someone in that audience you're inspiring, right? So getting clear on like, who is that person? It doesn't really matter. But you know, imagine they're sitting in the back row and smile and, and just shine like a star. And you know, I said that to my daughter when she's presenting or when she's singing or anything like that. It's like everyone in the audience is there to see you shine. We want you to succeed. We want you to just crush it. We love you so much. Go up there and let your, your light shine. And that's really the, the attitude I took on stage is at that point, man, there's nothing you're going to do to change the result. It's like, go up there, smile, have fun, show off what you got, and then go home and get on with your day. All right. So you were talking about the demographics of the group that you got, you're working with in Dubai. Like, is it all sort of meathead bodybuilders who have been doing it for a while? Or there's some newbies? Is it a great kind of range like it was in the Tampa camp that I went to? It's an awesome demographic. So it's a little bit older. I'd say everybody's probably 30 plus and everybody's not just, you know, we have a couple of people who want to be pro bodybuilders, but mostly it's people who just want to look great, feel great, and ultimately optimize every aspect of their life. So a lot of people are coaches, but not everybody. I'd say maybe 50% are coaches and 50% are just people who want to have an awesome life and an awesome body and want to understand how these pieces interact. And as I said, that's kind of the focus this year is I'm not getting into the weeds around you know how to do a bicep curl or how to do a bent over rower. Like that's not it this year, which is what it was primarily last year's Last year was really focused around mobility, stability, and skill. And here, how to, here's how to access the position. Here's how to optimize stability. And here's how to maximize the skill. And then you know, we'll build some progression into that. And here's how you build progression. So this year is like all the other pieces, everything else that goes into it. So I like it. I mean, I, I love it even more. Obviously, I've taught muscle building 10 years. So I'm good at it. But uh, So it's still a piece. Like Milos is still teaching a lot of it. And I think people still want to hear it. But I just still think people need to acknowledge that training is only one piece of the puzzle. And they need to be better, all of them, if they even want to optimize the time in the gym. So I start off with giving them a framework around the six pillars and then teach how stress works and exercise just is ultimately a stress that throws your homeostasis out of whack. And then ultimately all these recovery modalities to kind of bump you back into this homeostatic position, hopefully optimized or upgraded, right? When you create a stress and you, you come back from that stress, the ideal is your body has transcribed new genes and you're stronger and, and you're more resilient than before. And that's kind of the difference. 
So one of the things that you talked about in the camp that I went to that sticks with me the most, I think it relates still to the course that you're teaching now, is the concept of skill mastery precedes hard work. And I think a part of that also feeds into the idea that you're not, even when you're teaching muscle building, you're teaching it as like a tool for life optimization, not just for getting muscles. Like it's sort of, you learn somewhere along the way that this whole process of being in the gym and building your body and discipline and hard work is really about something bigger than just sort of looking good in your clothes. But can you talk a little bit more explicitly about like what that really means? Because the people who are in there who are just like raring to go, who just want to like crush their workouts and look good and be strong and be bigger. It can be hard to kind of get people to step back and take a breath and just sort of be patient with the process and know that they really have to master skills before they can go crush them. So like, can you just talk about how you actually try to like implement that in people's lives? Sure. I mean, you know, one of the kind of sound bites I throw at people is like, you can't get where you want to go running faster and faster in the wrong direction. So we, we need to learn to kind of like set your compass and, and zero in that laser and then laser focus the stimulus. And I think most people are probably operating at about 10 to 20% efficiency. And that is, you know, sounds like a bold statement, but even after training with some high level pros, you realize how poorly they challenge their muscle, how poor their muscle contraction is. So what does that mean? Well, they can move away, right? They can move away from point A to point B, but are they actually stimulating and challenging the muscle maximally from every inch of every rep? And the answer is not even close. So what we look at is, okay, if they're 10 to 20% efficient, their ability to contract at every inch of every rep, well, if we can improve that to even 60 or 70, well, now they're going to get six times better results in less time and effort. And, you know, so, okay, skill acquisition is this idea of you wouldn't go play a basketball game if you didn't know first how to dribble. And then if you didn't know how to shoot a three-pointer and if you didn't know how to th- shoot a free throw and whatever, like, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, you know how to dribble with your left hand and your right hand and then back and forth and then bounce pass. And so you learn all these skills and people don't see exercise like that. People see exercise as, oh, it's just something you do and you go in and you work hard. And like, no, because you know, arbitrary hard work, sure, that can be useful to a point, right? And this is kind of where the, where the system falls apart. It's in high school, everybody's taught that oh, we just do these basic exercises. And that's absolutely right. So when you're a beginner, anything, this idea of kind of general preparatory work is you know, getting you to this general low-level fitness requires anything. Just move, do a bench press, do a squat, do a deadlift. That's enough for a beginner, somebody who's never done anything before. But then you hit this plateau where you're like, oh, well, that doesn't work anymore. Now what do I do? Now I realize certain parts of my body have developed a little bit better than others. And okay, well, why does that happen? Well, because everyone has different mechanics. So when I do a squat and you do a squat, Ash, it's going to be a very different set of muscular stimuli, right? It's not going to be the same relative percentage of quad, glute, hamstring, low back. It's different for everybody. Okay. So Now we have to then pick our exercises strategically throughout a workout to make sure that we're hitting the muscles in a way or all of the muscles in a way that equates to the end result we want. Meaning if I'm doing too much of one exercise, not enough of another, you can acknowledge that, well, this body part's going to grow in exactly this sequence based on the exercise that I do. Or we can teach people to select the exercise correctly and then master the skill to challenge the muscle. So it's important to acknowledge just because I pick up a weight does not mean the muscle I think I'm working is actually doing work. Your body's designed and built for path of least resistance, meaning What's the easiest way to do this from point A to point B? So your body doesn't care about challenging a muscle. Your body goes, well, I got this big muscle over here. And if we get this thing to move, this will work. You know, it's this idea of I was moving my house and I invited five friends over. Who am I going to ask to move the fridge, right? It's the biggest friend, biggest and strongest. And your brain does the same thing by shifting your body into a position that's most advantageous 
to leverage the biggest muscles. And fortunately, the biggest muscles aren't always the one you're trying to train. So some people have a hard time building a chest or some people have a hard time building a back. And your body literally, you know, the more times you do this poorly, your body literally wires it in to do it incorrectly. Like it gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually the muscle you're trying to train doesn't do anything at all. And the muscle you weren't trying to train keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then you get muscular imbalances and joint pain. So teaching people how to forget what they think they know and start just objectifying like, hey, this is how you challenge that muscle. This muscle does this. Look at the muscle fibers. It runs from here to here. Now, how do we uh, create a resistance that directly opposes that? Well, you do it this way. It's really, really simple. Exercise is extremely simple. It's just done wrong. It's literally every muscle has two ends. And if I draw a straight line from one end to the other, that you know is, is a simple line of pull, more or less of that muscle. And then I need to extend the resistance out from there and try to have a direct line from the line of pull of the muscle through the resistance. Maybe it sounds complex, but you could see it in 30 seconds if I showed you in the gym. And it's really that simple. And like people just don't think. They just don't. They go in the gym and they do. And a big part of what we teach is going in the gym and not just doing mindless things. It's like, how can you use exercise as your greatest opportunity in a day to become mindful, to become present and ultimately build your brain? Right? Rather than disconnecting and making it a highly sympathetic, highly amygdala-driven event, we can now take this and make it an opportunity to become more conscious and maybe wire in some prefrontal cortex, like some conscious thought. Right, So we're literally kind of muting that amygdala response, that primal animalistic response, and using more of this prefrontal cortex, which allows our brain to be present and conscious and ultimately less fear-based, right? less sympathetic, less anxious all of these things, just, just simply by paying attention, not simply doing, actually thinking about what you're doing, maybe even feeling instead of just doing. And, you know, that all those things are super highly correlated with, you know, meditative state is I'm going to first become conscious. I'm going to feel what my body does. I'm going to pay attention to my body. And then maybe I, I become a little, little thoughtful about what I do. And all those things literally start to shift your brain. And people don't realize that exercise is, is, I think, by far your best opportunity to change your brain as an adult, right? Short of like learning a new skill. Well, every exercise in the gym is a new skill, but short of learning, you know, an instrument or a language or something, like all those things are going to cause great shifts in your brain. I think exercise is the greatest opportunity in life to start shifting the way your brain works, your brain chemistry, your emotional attachment to things, the way your brain is wired. I think that approach is literally what makes your camps different from any other muscle building fitness camp out there because that is the focus. The focus, like you said, is using the gym as a tool to make your life better, to make your brain work better, to make you a happier, more thoughtful, more mindful person. And even if people learn it by accident, because they go in there just trying to get big calves, like that, that's what they're coming out with. And I've said it before, like that muscle camp that I did a few months ago, like it was actually life-changing for me. And I didn't expect it, even though I know you and I respect you and I think you're great. I did not think I was going to go into that camp and learn something that I was going to think about every single day. And I do. So anyway, uh, enough blowing smoke. But one last question, because I know you do have to go. Because your camps bring up kind of questions that tend to be a little bit more about life or sort of more esoteric versus just like, how do I do adult raise? The last question I want to ask is, is there a question that comes up in every camp, like for people who haven't gone yet or are on the fence or maybe think they can't afford it yet or whatever, who want a little bit of a, a free teaser? Is there one question that comes up at every camp, no matter where you are in the world, that isn't necessarily directly about muscle building that people want to know from you? Like, is there one that just kind of keeps coming up that you can share with us? There's a few, I think. I think most people admit to having some level of anxiety and not knowing what to do to deal with it. And they feel like victims. So giving them a strategy to to correct that is a big one. A lot of people don't realize that exercise is a really great opportunity to shift your emotions and your state 
And a lot of people don't even recognize that an emotional state is this psychosomatic connection between your brain, your psychology, and your body, your physiology, right? So if you walk into a situation, Ash, and you're very stressed about something, or let's say you know, you've got a bad relationship with somebody or, or a bad memory somewhere, there's this association that happens. And so you create this negative thought, usually fear or anxiety or whatever it is. There's a physical response associated with it. So your body attaches to doing something physiologically. And then maybe, you know, your shoulders raise up and, you're, and you kind of hunch forward and your breath gets short in your chest and maybe you get tight in your neck and your throat and, you know, your face. So letting people start to pay attention to their body, just in general, outside of a stressful situation is a really important cue or a really important lesson to know and to understand so that they can start to pay attention to situations when it's stressful. So obviously, if you want to learn skill, you don't do it in a stressful situation. You do it when you're calm. And uh, so if we start to pay attention to how our body feels and how our breath feels and where our tension is in the gym, all of a sudden, when something odd comes up, you're like, oh, that feels a little unusual and, and I can change that, right? So this idea of like giving people tools and skill sets to change anxiety, fear, negative emotions, discontent, inadequacy, all these things are things we can change just by teaching them how to pay attention to what's happening in their body and what's happening in their mind and how to break the association, create a better state in your body, and then ultimately choose your state in your mind. And again, it's complex, but understanding how to you know, ultimately use exercise to change your brain and change your emotional states and overcome any of those things is you know, I think one of the coolest things that we do. Next time I talk to you, are you going to be in Australia? I am. Okay. Are there any spaces left for any of the Australia camps just in case people are still looking at it? Yeah. I think the best way to approach it for people, if you're unsure, is just come to the one day, right? So the one day is a smaller investment and it's about eight hours of teaching. And we talk about all the stuff, the six pillars, and then you'll know like, Hey, do you want to come back and do the deeper dive in days two, three, and four, or do you just want to stick with the one day? And either way, you're going to get massive results and massive benefits. And you know, everyone that came to the one day also has come to the four day, except for a few people obviously have work commitments, but uh, most people have kind of moved heaven and earth to stick for all four days. So I'm super excited about that. Um, one thing we're doing in Dubai that's going to be cool is we're going to do a cooking day or a cooking couple hours with all the attendees. So teach them how to cook our, a few of our favorite meals. That's cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. We rented the kitchen and the chef's coming to teach us some skills. Everyone's going to learn some skills and we're going to cook lunch and teach them you know, my three favorite recipes. So Any organ meats in there? I wish. Where's Ashley when I'm here? I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I show up to another muscle camp, I'll try to convince people to eat some gizzards or something. We'll see. There's a lot of protein in those, by the way, just FYI. Man, I'll eat whatever. <laughs> so anyways, thanks to finish your question. There are a few couple, a few spots left. I'd love to have anybody join. As I said, not to sound too cliche, but you know, our objective is to make a life-changing experience. And I think most people have come through, if not all, have said that it has been. So I'd love to have you guys join us if we can help in any way, whether it's fat loss, muscle building, mindset optimization, sleep optimization, all those things are things we're going to cover and just simply teach you how to come at life with an amazing attitude that serves you rather than holds you back. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Muscle Intelligence Q&A with Ashley Van Houten. This podcast is brought to you today by Bubs naturals. Bubs is amazing. I even brought some bubs with me to buy to put in my morning coffee. So my typical bubs routine is one scoop of MCT and one scoop of collagen in my morning coffee blended up with some alpha GPC and lion's mane. And it's absolutely amazing. It's my intelligence coffee recipe. Bubs is incredibly generous with this offer. So I guess I should explain why you want MCT and collagen. So anyone on a ketogenic diet, Collagen and MCT are two foundational things. If you're not on a ketogenic diet, I still think you take these things anyway. So MCT is kind of like 
a brain fat, meaning it's typically going to be turned into usable energy almost immediately. And collagen, I think, is one of the most neglected supplements for everybody who consumes animal protein. So, you know, historically, we're meant to eat the entire animal. So we should be having some collagen and some organ meats. And if we don't, we're just eating muscle meat, which is what most people do. You're going to be deficient in glycine and you're going to be deficient in collagen. So adding in those collagen peptides is a super awesome way to optimize blood sugar regulation, glutathione, which is detoxification, and a whole host of other, obviously hair, skin, and nails, and a whole host of other amazing benefits from collagen. I suggest everyone gets about 10 to 15% of their daily protein intake from collagen. And that's why Bubs is my absolute favorite. And if you've heard me rave about this stuff before, it's by far the best. It, there's nothing that comes close. I've tried most of them quality-wise. It dissolves, tastes amazing, color of it just looks so pure and clean. Fantastic. And thank you to our friends over at BubsNaturals.com. Use the code intelligence to get 20% off. Now, this is not going to be forever. So go over there and get 20% off right now. And you guys are hooking you up with MCT and collagen, full size, 20% off. Definitely head over and use the code intelligence at BubsNaturals.com. Have a great day, guys. Super grateful for you being here. If you did receive a little bit of value from the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. If you didn't, hey, let me know. I'd love to know how I can help and Ashley as well. Thank you so much for joining us and head over to iTunes right now and subscribe if you're not already there and leave us a review because we want to hear from you. Have an amazing day. Live your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.